Welcome, friends of the universe. We are Soul Women. We are three women exploring topics ranging from social advocacy, healing from trauma, and so much more. In each episode, we aim to have deep conversations while maintaining our unique perspectives in order to promote a lifestyle of inner peace, authenticity, vulnerability, and intentional living. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode with an open mind and an open heart. When you are sensing and feeling, you are not thinking. As your thinking brain, the neocortex slows you down. You are able to get beyond the analytical mind, also called the critical mind, which separates the conscious mind from the subconscious mind. Now you're able to move into the seat of your body's operating system. And now your brain can work in a more holistic fashion. So that's a quote by Dr. Joe Dispenza from the book Becoming Supernatural, just to dive right in today. Hi, everyone. And this quote is super important to what we're talking about, which is why I wanted to read it. And we have all three of the soul women here today, plus Andrea joining us to talk about subconscious work, why it's important to do subconscious work, and what we all do on a daily basis to improve ours and um, why we think it's a necessity for other people and strongly encourage other people to start doing this work because, well, for one, the state of the world that we are currently in relies heavily on us doing this work. So hi, girls. Hi. I'm happy to see you all today. It's Sunday. We're all probably a little sleepy because we all have busy lives and have had long weeks and have a lot going on. Um, But we really just wanted to stop and have a little conversation with all of you and get some content out about this important topic of subconscious work. How's everyone doing today? Good. Tired a little, but happy to be chatting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. I feel that. I feel that deeply. I'm happy it's I'm happy it's Sunday and I have a yoga class after we are done recording too. But but yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation and honestly it's it's kind of the the highlight of my day too. It I feel like these podcasts and these chats always bring a lot of peace to me. So I was excited to get in it even though I knew coming from what I was what I was doing prior to this, I felt like a little bit flustered and I was like, okay, the podcast will calm me down. <laughs> Yeah, it's cool how it does become more centering, but it always feels a little bit like weird in the beginning because you have to shift your energy from like what you were just doing to getting into this headspace, which takes a little bit of time. But that's a perfect segue because literally that's what you have to do when you're working on doing all these positive things in your life or building all these habits is like redirecting your energy at all different times of the day and making sure you can kind of come back to this place of peace and calm and things that are going to be benefiting you in the long run, which these conversations do, which is why we like to have them. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited to dive into this conversation. And I think, I think where I want to just start is talking about how we developed our own self-awareness. Like, was there a certain age that either of you felt like you came to and you're like, you know, you kind of have that out of body experience where for me, at least it felt like, how was I just existing up until this point? And I wasn't being aware of these things and these internal realities that were at play. And how was I not tuning into those to create a better reality for my present self? Um, I know for me, it I started realizing that 
probably at the end of college. Um, honestly, when Andy came into my life, <laughs> I tell a lot of people, I was like, she was my catalyst of change and like the entrance into that world. Cause Andy gifted me power of now, which then became my spiritual Bible. I think once you are prompted with some of those deep self-reflection questions, it's hard not to allow yourself to just go further by sheer curiosity. So I'm curious if you two have similar experiences or remember that kind of aha epiphany moment. I'd love to go off of that because I had almost the exact same. (laughs) I was in college, maybe more like middle to end of college, but Power of Now was one of the first books that really launched it for me. Like I had kind of started dabbling, but that one for some reason took me completely out of whatever I was in. And I think being under a lot of stress also like drew me to seeking something that would allow me to better understand myself, the world I was in. Also, I'm like, you know, is this really how you operate? Like, this doesn't seem very enjoyable, to be honest, which I, you know, I know I'm stressed in college, but still, like, I can't see how it's just magically going to be fun. So I almost had, like, the exact same. I was in college, found a book that something clicked. I wish I could, like, give such a detailed example so others could do it, too. (laughs) But it's, it's just something that happens enough things collide at the right time, I feel like. And the next thing you know, you're like on this path that you can't get off of at that point. Yeah. What about you, Andy? Yeah. I was just thinking, you know, I wanted to touch on just the title, the power of now that was a huge thing that brought me back. I think I had a, some moments as a, when I was younger within my, my faith and my spirituality, but it, it really came back full circle to where I could really understand it more deeply after, again, reading The Power of Now. I'm with you girls on that. What I think about that book and the reason why, I don't want to speak for all of us, but I think we've talked about this before. The reason why it has touched us, why we recorded a podcast about it, and and it goes so hand in hand with the topic we're talking about today. And like what Callie said is being present, it's that level of presence. So you're getting out of living in autopilot and out of living in this sort of daydream or analytical or overthinking state of mind and you're moving into the being state which is being present and being in the moment and understanding that in this moment this is all I have in this moment nothing can be wrong and in this moment I have endless possibilities of how I can feel and how I can breathe and how I can and so I think the power of now opened up that like chamber for all of us to be like, oh, it's not about how can I think about this and how can I analyze this and how can I know this better and how can I, you know, build my brain and have a headache over how much I've been thinking about it. It's no, how can I stop? How can I just be and quiet all of that down and then listen to what comes up and what's present and what's already stuffed in the back of my brain, which when we say it's in the back of my brain, that means it's in my subconscious, all that stuff that's been sitting back there and being hidden. And how can I make sure all of that that's stored in my subconscious is healthy and like benefiting me? And so then when I'm not consciously thinking and I when I am in autopilot, I'm making smart choices and I'm doing beneficial things for myself and others without having to think about it anymore because it's 
exhausting to always have to be thinking about it or active analyzing it, you know? So yeah, there's a level of freedom that you, that we all probably got from reading the power of now, just freedom from ourselves and from our thinking brain. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it especially opened up my eyes and it made me realize that, you know, I don't really, I don't really know anything and none of us really do. We're all just coexisting and we're in this life together, creating our own unique experiences. But you realize, and this is how I saw it too, where I, I I felt like I was living very surface level and where, you know, buying things or having tangible objects brings happiness and, and whatever it might be, these things, these outside external factors that you equate to value in your life. And once you start digging into the, the deeper reflective spiritual sides of things, you realize that inner peace is what you should be striving for because that's something that can't be taken away if you if you lose all of your money or if you lose your job. It's like, how do you keep that state and keep it in a, you know, a healthy, loving flow? Yeah, like that internal versus external awareness. And I think I was in that same place completely externally focused. And because of that, I felt like I was suffering quite a bit, focusing on others or like you said, things that I thought were supposed to bring me happiness. And I was, and as I was attaining these things, still feeling that state of suffering, I was confused. You know, I'm like, I thought this is what we were supposed to be doing. Um, so then bringing that awareness to the inside and to what's going on inside of you as you begin to quiet your mind, you realize, oh, I have it, you know, it's there, it's always there. And it's usually just, we're getting distracted and allowing ourselves to fully tap in and cultivate that listening, like you mentioned, Andy, to your inner mind is what will allow your external reality to feel peaceful. You know, it's just, it's so connected and it's so easy to say, because our mind, it's easy to understand But the practice of it, again, it's the being. It's not the, oh, let me think about how I'm going to do this. Like, no, how do you actually cultivate a practice to do that to then make it, again, not something you have to think about because you're building that into your life, yourself. Yeah. The work. (laughs) Yeah. I think a lot of the reason why this is so overwhelming, these type, like this topic, or it's so foreign, if you will, or so confusing to a lot of people is because it it is to an extent, it's like a newer level of consciousness, even though, like you said, Andrea, it's been there. It's always been there. Like that's the crazy part is it's always been within all of us. Everyone has this power, this capacity, if you choose to do the work and if you choose to study yourself, but it's in a sense, like a new way of thinking, at least in the Western world, because we haven't been taught that and we haven't been shown that that's a good way. And I just want to read one more quote from this Becoming Supernatural book, because I'm, I'm going to link this book because this is all about your subconscious being. But it explains that the old, the old consciousness is driven by survival emotions. So it, it explains like why we are this way and why our country is like this way and why our world 
because emotions like hatred, violence, prejudice, anger, fear, suffering, competition, and pain, emotions that serve to seduce us into believing we're separate from one another. It's an illusion of separation. It taxes and divides the individuals, communities, societies, countries, and mother nature. The mindlessness, carelessness, greed, and the disrespect of human activity is threatening life as we know it. And by pure logic and reason, this type of consciousness cannot sustain itself for much longer. And that is like so powerful to me, gives me goosebumps because that's exactly what we're talking about is it's not sustainable to not look deeper and to to not learn about your subconscious or find out how to be a better person or find out how to, you know, train your mind. Mm -hmm. I think it's really learning and trusting that you are always your intuition is always available for you to tap into. And this whole journey is learning how to tap into your mind's intuition, your body's intuition, so you can live your life in a healthier way that is more sustainable. I had a, I had a quote from Sadhguru, and I thought it was funny because, you know, we hear all these really beautiful quotes from gurus, and they sound so great. And I think it's, it, I think it's funny to remember that all of these people are also human and they're, they're just connecting to that divine consciousness. And that's what we are striving to do. But here, this quote, he says, the sign of intelligence is that you are constantly wondering. Idiots are always dead sure about every damn thing they're doing in their life. And, and it makes me laugh because that that's, it's so, tr- it's so true, you know? And, and I think now if I encounter people who you can blatantly tell that they're not really doing the self-work because they are so sure and they're stubborn in their ways. They don't want to, they don't seek change. They think that their point of view is the only thing that matters. And in the state that we're in just politically and within our society, like there's more division than ever. And to bridge that gap, it's like Andy said, it's finding that oneness in our world. And in the yogic philosophy, you know, just talking about the subtle energy bodies that we carry and you have like the right side and the left side, the masculine, the feminine, the sun, and the moon side. And if you speak negatively or you have negative actions toward others, then you like are pulled away from your center in that direction. If you are negative or speak badly about yourself, you are pulled to the left side. And how do we find our way back to to our center? It's by doing that inner work and tuning into your subtle bodies and those subtle energetic wheels that are always turning in our bodies I have a question because I agree with you and going off of how the state of the world our political everything going on when you are having conversations with those people who are so certain you know and you can tell they haven't been doing you know energy work or any of this work how do you communicate with them or do you communicate with them that's an amazing question it's tough. I personally, I'm still working on that. Um, every single conversation that I dive into with somebody like that, <laughs> the idiots, if you will, just kidding, but seriously, <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, every time I find myself in a situation like, okay, all right, I'm going to have to get into this conversation. And this person is not open-minded and they are not doing the self-work and they are, you know, totally different belief system that I'm in. And, and, and this is intimidating. It's always scary. And I think there's always that level of fear and almost like I, I personally will almost like forget who I am for a second 
and be like, well, how can I say this to make sure I'm not offending them? And how can I make sure that I can like mold into who they need me to be in this conversation? And I guess what I'm actively working to do is just sit in that uncomfort and even vocalize it. Hey, I'm feeling a little intimidated by this conversation because I know that we're going to maybe disagree in some ways, but I would love to be able to shed light on my opinion. And I'd love to be able to share with you, you know, my feelings on this, but I also want this to be a safe and comfortable space. And if you're feeling triggered or you're feeling like we can't have this conversation in a healthy way, then you know, can we reschedule when you're feeling better or can we get there together? It's sort of like setting a boundary because yes, we need to have the conversations. Yes, we need to do the work, but we also need to protect ourselves and keep those boundaries and not allow people to just constantly be pulling us into these really uncomfortable conversations. So it's finding that balance for me right now. And and it's not always perfect. I definitely have been triggered in a few conversations I've had, especially with closer family members and people that I really love and care about. It seems you're more triggered by them because you're like, why? I need you to not be like thinking this way because you just selfishly want them to, you know, be healed and healthy and all that. But I'm still working on if you have any tips and tricks, I'm all ears. (laughs) I would say how I deal with that. And, and I'm on the same page with you, Andy. Um, and I'm still very much working on how to keep my composure when I'm in those situations and how do I stay centered within myself, making sure I don't go back and act below my true self and speak from ego if I'm frustrated. Because a lot of these things in my head politically, it's like it should be a no-brainer that we just want equality and we want peace and we want people to feel loved and and taken care of. And so when I feel like somebody is against a basic human right, that's where it gets tricky for me. And I'm learning that in those situations, I try to take my emotion out of it. And this is where I think doing some research where you have points to stand on that are facts that are not just, oh, well, I feel this. What I'm hearing you say, which is this is a really good suggestion, is just reading the person that you're talking to and reading you know, how they receive. Are they a logical person? Are they an emotional person? Are they going to do better with facts? Are they going to do better with feelings or experiences that you've had? Because Mm -hmm. that's perfect example for me. And I'll just throw it out there for my mom versus my dad. When I have to have conversations with my dad, there are a lot of logic, reason, facts. With my mom, we can go emotions. We can go deep. We can, you know, cry. We can feel. And it's, they're very opposite conversations, but both still can be productive and both still can be, you know, have these great, wonderful outcomes. So, yeah. yeah. I think you are right then. So you're reading the room and you're just responding how, and it's kind of like, I think of it as a puzzle. Like, what can I say to plant seeds of growth? So then they see things in a similar light to how I see things because I might not be right either. And truly, I just want to know their perspective. And that goes for anything, even outside of political conversations, just talking about change in general and making healthy habits, doing the subconscious work. If somebody feels like you're attacking them and telling them that they're not in tune with themselves they're not going to respond in a good way because people don't want to hear that. People want to, we're stuck in this perfectionist society a lot of the time. So I think 
as being as gentle as we can, even when your ego is screaming, you're right and they're wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's definitely equally challenging. I think what I struggle most with is determining whether or not it's a conversation I want to step into. Um, So that's where I struggle the most with, just because I think once I do decide to, then I'm usually ready to say what I need to say. And, and I'm feeling detached enough to not get overly emotional, but at the same time, knowing that even if we are saying we're like, we're logical, which, you know, I usually feel like I am too, there's still some emotion behind it, especially when it comes to politics and these things that we're deciding on. Um, and like you mentioned, Cal, coming to a truth, like a basic truth, a fact that we could both agree is a fact, you know, and getting to a baseline and going from there, because if there is no baseline of agreement on anything, then I think it's kind of difficult to have a conversation with somebody. But if you're both coming into it, like, Hey, we agree, you know, the sun is in the sky. Okay. Now let's start from there and work further. But if we don't have any basic agreement, I think it can be hard to bring your perspective like level together. Yeah. which is where those moments of connection and things can happen. And I agree. I think coming into it thinking I'm right, obviously it's not going to go well because then we're going to be just trying to convince. So I think that is good too, to come in with asking, you know, what is your perspective and why and being curious. Otherwise, you know, I think you're bringing a, probably a not productive energy into it. If our main goal is to convince in itself. So that doesn't really answer the question because I still think I'm usually trying to decide if I'm trying to convince them, I probably shouldn't talk to them. If I'm genuinely curious about what they said, what they posted, their views, if I'm genuinely curious and I want to learn something, then I will talk to them. Uh, That's a really good way of putting that. I also love that you brought up the detachment aspect because this is something we've talked about a lot as soul women, maybe even in episodes with you, Andrea, And like, you know, we've always picked out how we're different types of processors. And that is something that I know I've thought about a lot, especially lately, is the way that I process. It's a little bit slower. I need it to be alone. I need it to be over a course of time. But the reason why that's so important for me as an individual is so then I can come to that conversation detached, like you said, Andrea. Mm -hmm. So I've processed through, I know where I stand, and then I don't have to have the questioning of like, wait, who am I in this conversation? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that processing time, which is subconscious work, And also, you know, detachment, which is subconscious work and that being curious, which is subconscious work. It's like literally like all of those things are combined into practices that we can work on. It's not even just about, oh, you naturally are just curious. You're naturally just good at having hard conversations. It's like, no, anyone who's good at having those conversations has probably had them a lot and has probably practiced and has probably learned how to be less attached to the outcome. I'm not sure I'm the best person to ask for that. I am learning on my own not to come at someone with full force because I do. So what I'm getting at is I, when I first started getting more passionate about activism and the injustice, more just in society, I was a lot more like, I'm going to come at it with open minds on both ends. Like, I want to hear where you're coming from and why 
you under or see it this way. And then I want to take what, how I feel and how I see it. I want to have a conversation with you. And that still is the foundation of how I want to have these conversations with people. I just think the severity has changed a lot. And now I don't have the patience to hear some opinions because Frankly, I think they're wrong and they're un- and they're not supported and they're not educated. And so it's hard for me to want to sit and have those conversations with people if they're also coming at it in a way where it's like, you're wrong and this is why I think this, you know? And so I guess what I am learning to do more is have, I don't know, have compassion because I do know that the reason that we feel the way we do and the way that we create our belief system is a lot through childhood trauma, family trauma, how we were raised, how, what we look like, what our privileges are, what they're not. And I try to come at it in that way. But at the same time, I am not here to sit and listen to your bullshit. Like I have morals and beliefs that are just so strong that I don't even, I'll have those conversations, but they're going to be a little more. I don't even want to say aggressive, just very assertive, like very, and I'm going to take it a step further. Like Callie said, where I am using facts, I'm using how the way I educated myself and what I see and like use, I use a lot of like empathy and I bring that to the table where it's like, how would you feel? Or this, like, this isn't fair to a certain type of people or trying to like bring more of like an anecdotal situation, but I'm still learning because I am a lot more aggressive. No, I love that. And honestly, I'll piggyback on that and say to anyone who's listening, when we're talking about being in tune with your subconscious and, and, and who you are as a person, you don't have to be this like constantly love and light type of person. Like that's not what you're aiming for. It's like, can you be completely in tune with who you are? And like, Mar, you're a person who does hold strong beliefs and you are an activist it wouldn't be like you to be to to not have those conversations like if somebody came up to you and sparked that conversation and it wasn't serving you you wouldn't be one to stick in it and I think if you did it your ego would come out or you would kind of be more aggressive in that way because you want your opinions to be heard that is also being in tune with your subconscious and who you are And so I think it's important to talk about the duality of those two sides of the gentleness and the understanding, but then also you have to stay true to who you are. (laughs) And if someone's not willing to sit down and have an intellectual equal conversation, again, no progress will be made. So choosing, and this kind of segues into another point that I want to talk about where you have to be selective about your environment and the people that are in your environment. Because when you start adopting mannerisms of the people that you spend your most time with, and that not only goes with like personality traits and things like that, but I like to surround myself with a lot of people who are doing the spiritual work because I find that to be really, really motivating and inspiring. And if I'm surrounded by that, then I am more likely to stay true to my goals and aspirations. So I would love to to hear your um, opinions on that and how you've managed to weave that into your life or if that is a boundary that you that you are focused on. Yeah, I think it's much easier to make big changes when you have a support system in any 
I mean, it's much easier to go through life in general with a support system. I just want to mention based on what Mar said and, and what you said, Callie, is a lot of our ego is a part of just the human condition. And so it's coming from a place of observing that, the awareness you have in that Mar, which is why I'm glad you answered the question the way you did and being honest, because yes, being like, I know I'm right is a very ego place, but it's also a very human place. And it's also what we need to go through in order to understand that like really none of us are right in all of this none of this is even right like all of what's happening in our world right now in general the duality it's not right if we're talking right versus wrong but it it's what is and it's what it is to be human and it's what it has been to be human for our entire existence as a as a, a species is that constant and that's why we always bring up the yin and the yang and it's just there's always going to be that light versus the dark what is so great about how you, what we're talking about today and what you just said Callie too and having that support system and surrounding yourself with people who are doing this work finding people in conversations that are going to benefit and enlighten us is that we have the choice <laughs> like we have the choice, which is our only freedom in in this lifetime, is to rework and retrain our brain. Like that's huge, and it's a huge, an immense amount of power that we have in our brain that we do not access, but we have a choice to. So it's like if you find people like you three ladies that can inspire me to access those parts of my brain just because of a perspective that you have that I don't yet or a book you read that you learned something from that I haven't yet, that's four times more powerful because there's four of us gathering information to help teach each other. And that's why why we even do the work and why we put it out onto a recording to whoever wants to listen is like, please do this for yourself, please. Cause we will have a better world if we all could be doing that. It is a lot about like, not the right or wrong, but more it's like, once you look at yourself and once you have self-awareness and you can love yourself through like really bad parts that you don't like about yourself and also the good parts that you like about yourself, you gain compassion for yourself. That compassion starts overlapping and how you see others so it's like you start to have compassion for others and that's right now more than ever what's going on in the world it's not politics it's not two sides it's oh people are hurting and I care about those people because I love myself and I love everyone around me and it just goes back to that purity of like once you can understand and accept yourself wholeheartedly you start doing that for other people and you start realizing there are things that can change so people can go through spirituality and growth for themselves without having these limits. Yes. I love that. I want to add to that. Um, so I just keep thinking of the, okay. So the subconscious that work that we're doing and like, what is even the purpose of this work and why does it matter? And what's the goal? You know, is there a goal? And I think all of us are touching on this, that it's definitely not perfection. So actually I think the goal is like embracing our imperfections, like you said, and being compassionate to yourself and how the quality then of your life, of your choices, of all of those things actually begins to become better when you are embracing your imperfections and being self-compassionate. So I think that is such a great theme about 
our subconscious and that allows our choices to just come from that like loving place when we have accepted ourselves. But it's like, it's never a perfect thing. That's what's crazy. It's just like you can keep working at something, but it's not for the purpose of having a final destination. It's just because you are enjoying the benefits of then having a more loving, self-compassionate, surrounded naturally then by other compassionate people like you said, and then you can find other resources once you start to surround yourself. And it's just like a ripple effect that eventually you then see others differently that normally you would have been like, hey, I'm really pissed that you said that to me, you know, and you're finding yourself just reacting differently, not because you're better or anything, just because you're reacting from a different place, that subconscious place. Mm-hmm. I will hop on that too. And, you know, as you're as you're learning more about yourself and inviting that that sort of loving kindness energy into your own life and how you see other people your reaction to somebody saying something negative or saying something hurtful like I remember when somebody would would say something to me and I would be like I'm offended and I would like I would get angry and I would question and you know you argue those people and now I think it would take a lot I think I think if one of you would say something to me that would maybe make me question, but I still wouldn't, I still wouldn't argue and have have a conversation about it. But if a stranger said something to me, it's no longer, well, what did I do? It's like, what is their pain? What is their trauma? Like what is underneath all of these layers that they're projecting onto me, a complete stranger that they know nothing about. And I think that's one of those moments where you look back and it's like, wow, I've come a long way to not be offended by somebody making a comment about me because I know that the people that I've surrounded myself with and how I see myself is the truest version of that. It's like when somebody gives you 10 compliments and gives you one negative thing and you stick to the negative. Mm-hmm. And when you do the work, you see the the positives and that's what you equate to your value and who you are. So it's cool to be able to navigate that that trail as you get older and as you get deeper into this work. And that's the reward, which is what makes all of this worth it. Because if you're a really science-minded person and and you're not so much into the spirituality or even for someone who is like really spiritual, which spirituality and science are the same thing. But despite that, if you are thinking about like, how can I get into this subconscious work or why, what, what makes it worth it to me? Or how is it going to benefit me? It's like an experiment on yourself. You have to experiment with, and it's going to be trial and error, but with all these different practices. And Callie just gave a perfect example of a practice that she's been working on, which is patience and compassion and not arguing and and not getting upset. And then she gets to see these results that she's of the work she's been putting in. And that's the reward is seeing those results. And also I just have to ask, because this is a question that I have for the listeners or for anyone who hasn't thought about doing, you know, subconscious work or self-work or self-care practices. It's like, what do you have to lose? Like, there's literally nothing to lose by trying to be a better person. You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. There's nothing like that in this world that you have nothing to lose. When you're bringing in new habits, it's always going to feel like you're working at it every single day and it doesn't feel like it's set in. And this is where I think people get stuck because they feel like, well, it's not working for me because it's, it's so hard to stick with it. Meditating, for example, it's so hard to stick with that when you're first making it a habit. 
And when you feel like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not getting to this state of meditation that I'm supposed to be getting at. It's because all of these things require daily consistent practice. I think that's the thing. That's the motivating factor with all of these things, whatever it is that you want to bring into your life by sticking with it and practicing it, positive affirmations, meditating, whatever it might be. It all comes with time. So what Andy said about how like the benefits of starting and why not, you know, and I think I would like to add to that. You already have a subconscious that's making choices for you right now. So first off, it's already there. It's whether it's what you want it to be or not. So it's really a matter of how do you want to create your choices? How do you want to make choices? Because up until this point, you've been living, or we all have, we've been living our whole lives, honestly, thinking we're making choices sometimes consciously, but it's really our subconscious coming through. So I think just starting to notice what choices we make in our day-to-day lives, especially those ones that we are not paying attention to because they're so ingrained. It's so powerful of a practice in itself, just starting to pay attention to that and then deciding, well, what would I like to do, you know, and not feeling like you have to just jump into creating new habits, like just start to become aware of it, how, how you are right now. It's not even that it gets easier per se. It's that you start falling in love with the actual process of changing and rewiring your mind instead of the actual product of like the, the final behavior that you did. like, like for an example, journaling, I do shadow work. I, we've already talked about this in so many podcasts and like the spokeswoman for it, but with shadow work and with journaling, I now love doing it every day, not because at the end of the day, like it, it is making me a better person and more aware person. It's not because of that at all. It's because I enjoy it now. I enjoy calling myself out and seeing these little habits I do where I'm like, Ooh, that's, that's ugly, Mar. Like, let's work on that. And it's, it gets easier in that way because you start enjoying that instead of just like wanting this final set thing. It's like you said, Andrea, too. You said it was like learning and growing in those moments of yourself that aren't perfect in those imperfect moments. And that kind of recaps all of what we've been talking about too, is that it's okay to not be good at this. And it's okay to not uh, like be a professional because none of us ever will be. And even the big gurus and all the books and Eckhart Tolle and everyone that we read, it's like, they speak like very seriously on how this is a lifelong process. Like Mar said, it's a process. And the goal would be to make that process something that you enjoy and that by means of working on how can I make this as easy and as healthy as possible, health is enjoyable. When you're healthy, you feel good. And so whenever I look at am I going to make a decision or am I going to build a new habit or am I going to get rid of an old habit? It always comes from a place of, is it healthy and not, is it good and not, is it bad, but is it healthy and is it benefiting me in a way that I can then contribute more to the world? I'm going to give an example because I've told you guys in the last couple of episodes, I've been struggling with my self-care practice because I've been just diving into work and really busy with work. And I had come upstairs the other night and I laid on the ground into child's pose and I was, I knew I needed to do a flow. My body was hurting. My head was hurting. 
And I just laid there and I thought in my head about six, seven, eight, nine, ten different things I could be doing that I need to get done. And I sat there and all of a sudden it was my subconscious, that quiet, that intuition, that voice. It wasn't anxiety. It wasn't fear. The fear was I have this, 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 and this, and this to do. That was all that like ego talking. And then this other voice, which for me is now becoming louder, which is cool. It used to be a lot quieter. It's, it, they're now really, they battle each other pretty equally, like my subconscious and my spirit, my, you know, my core, my soul voice is speaking louder and louder. And she just like piped in and she's like, this is work. You doing yoga right now is the work and you need to think of it as if it is work because if you don't do this, you can't do that list of 10 other things because you will start to have muscle atrophy and you will start to not feel healthy and you will start to get sick. And so for me, as someone who tends to really get too deeply into my work or just being an entrepreneur, which means you're kind of working 24 seven and that's the whole kind of idea behind what I do. It's like, then I need to make all these self-care practices and the subconscious work. I need to make that a part of my work. Some people need it to be a part of their leisure. I need it to be defined as part of my work. And that voice was like, yo, this is work. Like, come on. And I, and then I ended up in the flow and I felt amazing, but just an example of real time areas that we're also working on it. Isn't that just hilarious when you call yourself out too and and you know it too in that moment because you you're right you can't do those other 10 things at least you can't do them fully and and right if you're not at peace with yourself. And I have to do the same exact thing with with my yoga practice where I'm I'm going through my day and I'm like trying to get so many things done. And even if I get into a creative state with music and I had made a goal for myself of doing yoga that day, I realized that I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to do it or make it a priority unless I actually scheduled it in my time and like in my calendar. So I have it and I can't make excuses around it. And, and this will happen. And I think People mistake these things when, yes, it's you've built this habit. Like I've built my practice of of doing yoga daily many times, and that's where I think being gentle with yourself and being kind with yourself because you'll always have highs and lows. You have peaks and valleys of any sort of experience in your life, and if you resist that and you're like, no, 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 I'm fine right now. Like I don't need to make it a schedule because I know how to do yoga. I know that it's a habit that I have. Like Andy, she moved into a new place and you're constantly diving into projects to upscale your space and just make your business even better. But when you go upstairs, like that's time for you. It's hard to make space and and take that authority over yourself. It's kind of like putting yourself in, like you have to kind of give yourself a timeout and have a real good talking to yourself and your soul. Mm-hmm. Like you deserve this. Stop trying to run away from it. Why are you running? Yeah. And that just goes along with, like we said, it gets easier. You fall in love with the process and that voice gets louder and it does. And it's like, again, all of what we're talking about, I like to keep recapping it because I just want to reiterate for the sake of everyone listening that it's just so necessary for a state of like inner peace for our world, for 
you know, I mean, I know everyone listening to this podcast deals with stress. I guarantee, I guarantee you every single person that you talk to is stressed about something in this world today. And I know because I see a lot of clients. I know because we sit on social media and there's tons of people talking about their stress. I know just because if you watch anyone, especially like when, if we're talking politics, I mean, just tense, like Albert, Callie, Albert posted a video about the, the freaking debate and they're just like shoulders up, jaws clenched. I mean, there's so much tension all the time and it's like, ah. Oh, First of all, that is illness. That That is not healthy. And I know someone who's dealt with anxiety my whole life, and I know you all have, and I know a lot of you listening have, that it doesn't feel good to be tense. Like, let's all do it. Clench your fist. Hold it as tight as possible for 10 seconds and then release it, right? And it's like, what a difference that makes. Or your shoulders. That's the biggest one for me. If you tense your shoulders and you, you realize that all of a sudden you relax them, you're like, holy shit. Like that hurts. It's not good for you. And doing that for years and years uh, just wears on the on your body. Yeah, it does. I was gonna say in yoga, that's the one that gets me all the time is when the instructor's like, and now like lower down the shoulders. I'm like, oh my god, I didn't realize they were up here like all tense. Like the minute that someone, you know, holds yourself, like holds you accountable, you realize like, oh my god, yeah, my shoulders are like up to my ears right now. It's absurd. Yeah, it's true. Just go through each of us maybe quick, a few of your really main staple things that you are doing actively to work on your subconscious work, whether it's something you've been doing for a while now, whether it's a new practice, just to give our listeners some, a variety of ways that just, you know, they can be doing this, if that's cool with you ladies. Yeah. Definitely. I can go first. It's pretty, yeah. I have like four things down and probably when I hear you get you ladies talk I'll realize there's a lot more but I was trying to think of more like my morning and night routine because those are when I do those you know um what's the word like ritual so journaling is the first one and when I say journaling I don't do like conscious flow or like continuous writing like I do specifically in journaling I do shadow work and then with that shadow work and with what I've learned I manage those are the two things I do every morning and sometimes at night if I'm feeling like I need to um stretching is a big one I do every morning and at night and this could be like a five minute thing like if just you you have a busy day and you just need to take those five minutes or it can be like as long as you want like 30 minutes to go along with that meditating this is one I'm really lenient on because there's days where I only have like five minutes so I'll do five minutes of it. And then there's some days that I have 25 and I can take more time. And this other one that's more recent within since I moved here, I do a tarot card pull every morning and every night. I do a card that I should just be mindful of throughout my day. I'll do that in the morning. And then at night, I'll kind of just do a card to see like how I almost like to reevaluate myself like okay how did I how did I actually do this today like what are we feeling how do we think and so I've been doing that and those are like the four things and I guess like when I say stretching I also mean like putting in a yoga practice and and moving and, and doing something with my body but those are the four things that like if I don't do them I can tell yeah I love that awesome also yeah I think bookending my day 
regardless of what it is, it's so important to me. So making sure I carve out my morning and before bed. So I'm never like in a rush in the morning or going to bed super late is always a high priority for me. Um, and then also, yes, physical movement, who knows what it could look like, to be honest. Like you said, it could be five minutes of stretching. It could be doing like a bike, yoga, anything though, to get out of my head. Cause I'm also very analytical. I get anxious thoughts and I can tell when those anxious thoughts are running crazy. It's because I have not done anything physical. So I need to always be checking in on that for myself. Um, I love journaling as well. I think I had heard about journal, 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 like so many times. And I'm like, okay, I see how it could be helpful, but I just can't get into it. Um, or I would just like recount my day, which wouldn't be helpful to me, to be honest, because then I'm still using my thinking mind. Um, so what I do a lot of is intention setting, like for my day in the morning, just how do I want to feel today? Or like, what is something that I would like to do or what would make today special for me or just kind of putting my energy out there in the direction I want my day to go into um, is really helpful. I don't do it at night very often, but I think in the morning for me, I found it super helpful and reading. I just love reading. And I think it always allows my mind to just go off into these completely different worlds and use my imagination and my creativity in that way and just get new ideas. So I know, cause I do, as Cal said earlier, I don't know anything. I mean, we don't know anything. So I think it's always important shit. to be finding out. We don't know shit. So let's keep trying to find stuff out. <laughs> Seriously. I love that. <laughs> I would say for mine, um, very similar to both of yours. And I love, I love hearing all of our different ones because they are so uniquely ours. Um, for me, a huge one that, you know, it, it stemmed from just doing affirmations in the morning, but like having, I probably sit in, as soon as I get up, I sit myself in front of my mirror and I do mirror work for probably 15 minutes every morning before I even like get out and, and we go on a walk in the morning and whatnot. But like in that space, I, I play music that really helps me tune in to, to myself. Some of that will be like closing my eyes and like just putting two hands on my heart or maybe one hand on my heart, one hand on my root chakra. So then I'm tuning into those places or wherever I'm feeling like if I feel like if I feel like I need to voice more things that day, like I'll put a hand on my throat, whatever it is. And then I always kind of end that practice by like bringing it up to my third eye and just choosing and saying like I choose to tap into the infinite divine creative potential that is ever flowing around me because it is. And I think you have to choose to jump into that pool every morning. So for me, like affirmations and just eye gazing in the morning to affirm myself and and my goals for that day and who I am and who I want to be. And then meditating for sure. We do, um, Al and I both do 30 minutes every day and then do some stretching after that. Um, Sometimes our movement will be hit workouts. <laughs> we do hit workouts three times a week. But even that, and this is where I think whether you're doing yoga or you're biking or you're, whatever exercise it is, movement in the body is just such a great way, like Andrea said, to get out of your head and into your body because that movement is so primal and we need that in, in our lives. Um, and then reading as well. Right now I'm reading Jack Canfield's book, The Success Principles, which is really, really great. But I like 
I like things in the genre of of self-help and power of now becoming supernatural. Um, another one I'm reading right now is The Body Keeps the Score. Um, but, you know, in addition to that, I guess I just find a way to educate myself a little bit more every day. And it doesn't matter what it's on, but listening to a podcast, talking to somebody and and asking for their perspective, their opinion. So I can just like keep learning and I'm keeping new perspectives flowing in my life. I think that's what's really, really important to me to feel like I'm growing in myself. Those are also awesome. I think we probably all do all of these things. We're all just like nodding at each other. Like, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I do that too. I do that too. Um, but mine, I'm just going to avoid repeating as much as possible just to, to give more options. So all those things are great. I love to intertwine all those things. I know we all probably have every day looks a little different for how we choose to spend our time on ourselves. One of the biggest ones or one of the biggest things or themes is that we're all doing something for our mind, for our body, for our soul pretty much every single day. Well, actually, yes, every single day. And that is where I think the majority of what we're doing is taking care of those three aspects. And so for me, if we're talking like my soul, we're talking writing, we're talking music, we're talking meditation. So it's like Mar said, she doesn't necessarily do the stream of consciousness writing. That's all the writing that I know how to do is just like whatever's on my brain that day has to come out onto the paper, whatever it means. It can literally be Mooney staring out the window at the birds right now. It can be, I had the craziest dream and I learned about quantum physics and I know the state of the universe and like it can just be the extremes whatever I'm feeling about writing that day I gotta be I, I have to write at least every day um, music is huge for me because I can be meditative with music whether we're doing the dishes or we're cleaning our house or we're whatever we all are doing when we have music playing that's getting into a state of like physical meditation. So music is super, super important for, I know for all of us, but for me, and then for the body, yes, movement, always movement, but also, of course, I live my life based on this is, but nutrition. So making sure every single day that I'm giving my body nutrients, that I'm being conscious about the choices I'm making before I put food into my mouth, before I drink certain beverages. And at every single every single day, there are health foods entering my system. It doesn't mean I'm perfect every day. It doesn't mean I don't eat pizza luce. It doesn't mean I don't drink wine. It just means that you know I'm actively making sure I'm getting nutrients every day in some way with whole foods and plants. So the last one that I really wanted to bring up, which is what we're doing right now that I like to do every single day is have some sort of a positive, deep connection and interaction with somebody or multiple people in my life. And I do that a lot with the soul women. And I have a few newer people in my life that I've been really blessed to meet that I get to do that with. I get to do that with my mom, with my sister, but I have to reach out or talk to, and this is a newer thing for me, which is why I'm bringing it up because I have always been very solo and, and very, I do this work on my own and for myself. And now I've had the, the blessing of just attracting like-minded individuals, like the three ladies that I'm talking to right now, that I have the opportunity to connect every single day with somebody about this type of stuff. And so I encourage that for all of you. If you can, you know, find that community or reach out to us or, you know, 
talk to and connect to somebody every single day because that is just like a huge necessity for being human is having connection. Another thing that I am really learning to weave into my schedule because it's something that I'm training to become is breath work because yeah. it is really important for I know, I who I am and who I want to be. That. As soon as I as soon as you started talking, I was like, Kelly. The whole purpose of what I'm doing right now is the whole purpose. I'm like, you do this every day. I'm just not used to like talking about it as like being like part of my routine, but doing breath work. And then, and I know, I know for a fact that Mar and Andy, and I'm sure Andrea, you dabble in this too, but visualization exercises. I think this is a really great way to end and tie this all together, but like your subconscious your subconscious mind naturally adapts to these visualized realities that you paint for yourself. It doesn't, the things that you feel in those moments, your mind can't distinguish if that's in your reality or from a visualized exercise. So take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Like your mind's kind of, you know, you know, it's doing its best, but you can trick it in those ways. And I think that's how you can start to level yourself up is just by visualizing what you want, not questioning it and say, well, I don't have the money to achieve that. I don't have, I don't have the the support to achieve that right now. Take all of those what ifs away and paint a picture of your dream reality, because if you manifest it, you can have it. I love that. Yes. I want to say one thing, because this makes me so excited. So I've been working with a coach for a month or two and she's helping me so much with this because I struggle with getting creative you know I'm always just thinking but really tapping in and visualizing is a life changer like truly doing that work whoa it is so powerful and I the reason I just want to bring that up is because it's okay to need support it's okay to not feel like you're good at just naturally visualizing things and just finding resources or finding people who can help you with that if, if you're interested and just know it doesn't need to come naturally. None of this does, by, by the way. But there's people out there, like you said, Andy, us, anyone, reach out if you're ready. We're all on this journey together. Yes. Yeah. And we all have sought out help, which we need to clarify. And I know we've talked about in past episodes, but for people who haven't heard those episodes, we have had all of the help and we have not just been born into these brains. I mean, there is a level of innateness, of course, to everything, but we all need help. We all need support. We're here to give you that support. And with that, we should say goodbye. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We appreciate you and love you so deeply. We couldn't do this without you. If you want to find us in real time, you can go to our Instagram at Soul Women Podcast. Send us any messages, questions, comments, or concerns that you may have or new episode ideas. We love to hear from you.